The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. Hello there. Obi-Wan Kenobi here, also known as James Arnold Taylor, the voice of Obi-Wan. Jedi Master Plo Koon. And many other characters in the world of Star Wars. You're listening to... Shh, don't tell. It's the secrets of Star Wars. May the Force be with you. You're listening to the secrets of Star Wars. Hello there. It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I find your lack of faith disturbing. It's against my programming to impersonate a deity. That's not how the Force works. Force is with me, and I am with the Force, and I fear nothing. Remember, the Force will be with you, always. Hi, I'm Andrew Hermes, and you're listening to The Secrets of Star Wars, where we talk about everything connected to that galaxy far, far away. From movies to books to TV shows and more, we're looking at the deeper themes and meanings found in Star Wars. So today, we'll be discussing Episode 6 of Andor, entitled The Eye. And here to join me, we've got Robert King. Hey, Robert. Hi there. Uh, Father Horton. Andrew. And Patrick Mason. Howdy, Andrew. Hello, hello. Well, we'll hear Episode 6. Is this the halfway point? Is there supposed to be 12? I think so. Yeah, 12? I think so. Okay. Yeah. So we're at the halfway point of Andor, and uh, it seems like, judging from this episode, this is kind of split into three episode arcs. Um, I feel like the first three were kind of its own little, I guess, movie, you could say. Um, they could kind of could stand alone. I mean, they were released on the same day, so you could literally watch it like a movie. Um, in episode four, five, and six, uh, I think it's fair to say, um, episode six, you know, wrapped a nice little bow on the the story arc that that kind of began uh, uh, during episode four. So, uh, general thoughts, guys, what did you think of episode six? Um, just initial feelings and uh, overall impressions of uh, this uh, installment of Andor. Something actually happened. It was nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some things indeed did happen. It also had um, like the, the scenes at the beginning and the end really kind of bookended some of the, the, the deeper themes going on in the show. I'm, I'm just some outright moral conversations about rebellion and, and what people are in it for uh, first with Nemec and then with uh, what's his name? Steen at the end. So, so that, that, that was kind of interesting too. this action packed episode kind of bookended with philosophy. Um, yeah. I, uh, I would like to say that there's a lot of shade thrown at episode five because of how slow it was, but that kind of episode is probably my bread and butter. I love, mm. you know, I, it's one of those I've turned into my father scenarios. He loves watching the old 1930s, 1940s, fifties TV show or, um, movies where it's all just talking and no action. <laughs> and, and I realized I've slowly turned into him, but, um, I really enjoy the conversations, and the dialogue. This episode was a very tragic episode. Um, mm-hmm. there was a lot of death. There was a lot of terrible things happen, um, both in the group and kind of with Andor and, um, but it was also a very spectacular episode. 
Um, the visuals were mm-hmm. just stunning. Every time, every time they panned out, basically, or they panned away, you got just this amazing look at Aldani or the eye or the just the the scenes with the ships flying in the eye. Oh my goodness, that was wonderful. phenomenal. I was mm-hmm. really struck even by the uh, tie, tie fighter loadout scenes. Just you know, the jung jung jung. Here we go. Let's go get them. Yeah. It didn't work out so well for them, but I mean, it was impressive. Yeah. Does it ever work out well for Thai pilots? <laughs> no. Unfortunately, the flying eggshells we all know and love. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, it's interesting because it, 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 that was a beautiful display of kind of the grandioseness of the Empire. Like, we always mm-hmm. get those displays of, like, just the ri- ridiculous grandioseness. Like, where do they even get this much stuff? Um, mm-hmm. and, and that whole loadout scene with the TIE Fighters, that gigantic space. Um yeah, so very, very tragic, but very beautiful uh, at the same time. That's kind of my overall impression of the episode. Yeah, I, you know, I'll echo a lot of the things you guys said. Uh, Father, that's one of the first things I, I sort of felt like uh, it's like stuff actually happened. Um, <laughs> the, the plot is moving along. And, and yeah, Patrick, I, I, you know, episode five, I had, you know, I did have an issue with it being kind of slow, but I, I you know, if you heard the podcast last week, I, I did have a lot that I liked about it. Uh, what the show does really well, even in the quieter moments and, and the character moments is, is uh, it, it builds up a lot of tension. Um, it mm-hmm. it yeah, really does a, a good, yeah, it does a good job of, of creating drama between characters, you know, even if they're just two characters set and, you know, across from each other in, in one room. Uh, it, it, you know, I thought episode five had a lot of moments like that. And then obviously in this one, you're getting a lot of those same feelings, but on a you know, grand level, a more of an action packed kind of what we're used to seeing from a star Wars spectacle type of standpoint. Um, and yeah, the, the episode was visually stunning. Uh, it's, uh, I, I mean, week to week, this show continues to impress me from, from just a cinematography standpoint. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so beautiful. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, it really, it really blows Obi-Wan Kenobi out of the water as far as like, uh, just <laughs> visuals and I mean, story, everything has going for it. <laughs> in my yeah. opinion, I think it, 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 it's everything I wanted Obi-Wan to be. Um, and they have a little more freedom. Just, Obi-Wan has a whole lot of continuity to fit into Andor, as long as you don't trample anything big, you can do what you want. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, you know, with Andor, obviously, it's it's a story that you have more flexibility with because you're dealing with characters that we've either never seen before or just seen one side of, uh, you know, in Rogue One. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I, you know, I think, you know, just to put a... a not to talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi too much, but like, I think that that had a lot of problems going into it in pre-production and, you know, had, had, had issues during being a COVID type of production and some writers were hired and then fired and uh, that sort of thing. But, you know, with, with Andor, I think what we're seeing is, is a show that is, is kind of standing apart from the other Star Wars shows, even the, the ones we love like Mandalorian um, it's, it has its sort of own aesthetic. It's have, it has its own sort of, uh, uh, maturity level. Um, 
you know, it's like we've talked about uh, in previous podcasts discussing Andor is this is obviously a more mature, more adult level type of show um, where we're seeing characters. Uh, we're seeing some, some, a lot of these themes, these, these deeper themes uh, we're, we're getting into on a, on a very uh, sort of mature and serious level that, that we're not used to seeing in, in, in other Star Wars uh, IP. So um, I think that's what the show has going for it. And uh, but at the same time, it's still like this episode, I think is a good example of is it can still get into that Star Wars spectacle that, that we're, that we, that we love and, and we're used to. Um, and I think that, uh, this episode puts faith in me going forward when we get into the second half of this, the series, you know, I, I, I felt really good about this show up until this point, but, um, you know, like some of us have said, I, I felt like four and five had some good moments, but I was like, okay, can we get, can we get some plot? <laughs> can we get some, you know, like, let's, let's, let's get into it. And episode six, you know, did it for me to, to sort of go along with what Patrick was saying. I think the reason episode five felt like it dragged a little bit was because the end of episode four or well, episode four brought Cashin in and there was such a sense of urgency. You're bringing this guy in at the last minute. And, and, you know, we don't have time for this. We don't have time for this. We don't have time for this. And then we have a whole episode where they seem to have a lot of time on their hands. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think, I think episode five would have, uh, would not have felt so slow or draggy if the expectations going in hadn't been set up as, as you know, really urgent. Um, but you know, now we get into episode six and we see kind of the fruit of that urgency and, and, um, and so it feels like it almost picks up where episode four was leading. By the way, we may not get that same three-story arc thing going forward. I read that the next three episodes do not have common directors and writers, so it might be a little more episodic. Oh, okay. I don't know if that makes me more or less excited, but there it is. <laughs> it, I mean, yeah, it'll I'm not be better than Obi-Wan. Not, <laughs> it'll, it'll be better than Obi-Wan. I think we can Am I the only one on here who, who actually liked Obi-Wan? I liked Obi-Wan. <laughs> I, I identify as Obi-Wan, so I had to like it. I liked it, but the the problem is, you know, you're expecting to love it, right? It's it's ha- doing uh, a, sh- uh, a, a, a you know a show with that we've been waiting for for so many years, and it was we, we were hearing rumors for like a decade whether they were going to do the show or not, and then they finally do it, and then it's kind of like, eh. yeah, you know, we obviously had a lot of those great moments, um, like obviously everything with between him and Anakin, even though they were few and far in between those were usually done pretty well. And I, I was uh, very satisfied with, but you know, overall, I think the, the show had its, had its struggles, you know, getting to the finish line and, uh, you know, developing, you know, certain characters, but, um, it was better than solo. <laughs> no, <it wasn't>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it was the cave on Dagobah where, you know, what's in there is what you take with you. You know, ah, yeah. Well, you see, your I mean, expectations—you will not need them. <laughs> and I think for for me, Andor actually kind of benefits from that because um, Obi Wan was so disappointing to me that it it lowered my expectations on anything else coming down the pipeline. And then so 
as far as I can tell, this is really good. Now, maybe it's just me, like, expecting here and getting here <laughs> and feeling like it's up here, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, expecting at one level and getting another. But I think Andor does kind of benefit from... <laughs> I don't know how disappointed I was in Obi-Wan, but yeah, I'm, I won't try and go into my diatribes about Obi-Wan. <laughs> yeah, we, we, don't want, we, want, we don't want that. Let's this, talk about this Andor. This is an Andor episode. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, it, what Andor does well, uh, it's it really is about the characters. And yeah, it, 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 it and it's not just about Cassian. I mean, it, it does a good job of of like when they're introducing, you know, when we get introduced to the crew last week, um, we get to see like a, a personal side and of, of every character. And we get to feel, you know, a certain type of way about them, you know, where there are stakes where we feel it in this episode, there are stakes now, you know, characters that we just met and characters that didn't make it out in this episode, (laughs) we actually feel bad for. You know, and that's hard to do mm-hmm. in, in just a two episode arc. Um, even uh, even Behez and his family, say his name and his family were were real people. I mean, I felt bad for what the rebels were doing to him. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And that was one of the I think the beauties of the last episode and this episode is there there really aren't any one dimensional characters. Um, like it's it's amazing to me how well they've rounded everybody, including was it the commandant? Uh, and, and like even him, I'm like, oh, oh, he's more than just you know the bad imperial guy. Like he's <laughs> he's got a family and he's got a like a you know things he's trying to do. And I'm still a jerk, but you know, yeah. I, but he wants to, he wants to get off the he wants to get off the dump of a planet to someplace better with his family. Yeah, and and you know, speaking of these characters, were there any you know in this episode that that stood out to you? Um, any character moments or specific? Um, just just characters in general that, that stood out to you in this episode that um you wanted to highlight. I mean, I, I thought the commandant the commandant was was a standout for exactly the reasons you were pointing out, Father, that um just how how much depth they gave to his character and how you really sympathized with him and at the same time really loathed him because his mm-hmm. his you know dismissiveness of the Donnie people was just so on display and and yeah it, it he was he was a really well drawn character i thought i i loved it yeah his um his speech at the very like the second scene um mm-hmm. where he's talking about the uh, the Donnie and how, you know, simple minded they were and how the real trick was just to give them multiple options so that they get wrapped up in the fact that they don't even want like that. And, and especially as like counterpart to the scene that came right before it, which was about a man struggling with his faith. Um, and mm-hmm. this struck me as a very, like, this is how the devil does things. Like, like he gives you all of these options that you Turns out you don't even want any of them, but you're so busy trying to choose. Uh, and I was like, whoa, like that's a, to me, that struck me as a deep philosophical sort of like, this is the empire and this is how it like destroys peoples. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a Chesterton essay whose title I forget, but he talks about how even the political episode climate of his day is that they would offer you a choice between two things that the, the ruling elites, not the way you put it, but they didn't care which one you picked. They just want to put you out there and, and let you pick and doesn't matter because they're both wins for the people in charge. So same thing. You see, all they're doing is they're giving them options that don't really matter 
to distract them from choices that really do matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and coming on the heels of, I mean, the other standout character was obviously, at least for me, was Nemec. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and that kind of laying out the philosophy of rebellion in in the most coherent way we've ever gotten in, from a Star Wars property, I think, at least at least a, a movie or TV show. And um, and so you're, you're really drawn to empathize with him and his struggle to sleep and and, you know, that 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 question of faith that he has. And then you go to someone who is who is a true believer in the Empire. Um, you know, he, he does not have a struggle of faith, the commandant and, um, and the contrast between them, I thought really worked well as, as well. Yeah. I, I loved his conversation with, uh, with, uh, Andor. Okay. It, it, and this struck me very much as like, it's a man who's struggling with his faith. Who's trying to approach a man who he thinks is an atheist, and, mm-hmm. you know, to his cause. Yes. And just because and, you can see the sort of anger on his face when he's he's talking about these things and, and the direction that that the conversation takes. And then Andor just gets in his face and go, and he's like, do I look like I'm thankful? And yeah, and yeah. It sort of dawns on them that no, he's not a, he's not an atheist. He's at least agnostic. <laughs> like <he's, laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And just the inner that I love that conversation because it was such a good interplay between a guy who's like who's all in on something trying to deal with uh, an older guy who's sort of not, but also has his own, you know, gears turning in his brain and, and how things operate and trying to come to grips with, well, why isn't my motivation stealing me for what we're about to go into? Like you've got nothing and you're not freaking out the way I am. And Andor's like, dude, it's just because I've done this before. Like, mm-hmm. like it's experience. It's not, it's not faith. And then Namek's kind of struggle with that. Um, I, yeah, those two scenes. I love those two scenes, but that's cause I love the talking. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the talking is good on the show. I mean, the, the writing is great so far. I think it's really strong and, uh, and the, yeah, to keep, to keep the topic on, on Nemec, you know, I thought, yeah, he he's definitely a standout, and you know, unfortunately, he does not make it out of this <laughs> episode alive. Spoiler alert: very few people uh, do. <laughs> very few people yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, and, almost nobody. <laughs> right? Yeah, and you know, that's just we're seeing the empire at the height of its power, and and it's you're seeing what happens when you try to challenge that, and and unfortunately for most people that that have done it, the the end result is not a, is not a good one. Um, and I think that's a sort of sobering reminder. You know, it's like, hey, like, you know, this is, what well, this is said, well, like five years before Rogue One. And he, even during Rogue One, it was, you know, a, a, a death mission, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we know Cassian's fate. Um, so Nemec is just another example of that. And, and I think what, and what, what really was, I think a point that drove home for me is that it doesn't matter how right you are, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, and, and it doesn't matter how, how deeply you believe in your, um, beliefs, it, you know, obviously there's, there's, a, a an objective, uh, belief that he carries where he, you know, he's just against the, the whole, 
totalitarianism of the empire and and uh and is working to to for freedom and 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 just wanting to stop the injustices it doesn't matter how how right or how deeply you believe in it if if the other side is that much more powerful it, it doesn't bode well for you and and when you you try to step up to it a power like that you know you have to be willing to deal with the repercussions and i think that's obviously the whole i guess slogan or or motto for uh for the rebellion is that if you especially if you're the little guy you know if you're if you're not you know, this show is about the all these little guys and, and it's about the people that are, are in this fight that are not master Jedi warriors. They're not, uh, you know, they don't they're not powerful beings or they don't have a lot of material wealth. Uh, they're, they're not supported by a strong army or, or any sort of government. You know, they're just trying to figure it out as they go along. Um, and these are the, the sort of casualties that that come along with that. And I thought that's, that was a big theme in this episode. And, and obviously that's probably going to be an ongoing theme throughout the series. So just, you know, what do you guys, uh, you know, think about that, this whole theme of, of, uh, of loss, loss during war. Um, and you know, the whole idea of the, the empire against, uh, you know, the rebellion who, even though a lot of these people are, are a lot of these characters are flawed, what they believe in is is a just cause. I mean, it's it's interesting how um, Vel, who's who's you know sort of the leader of of this little cell, she seems very willing to let people to leave people behind. Um, first, she leaves uh, uh, what's his name, Tamarin, um, without a second thought. And um, the accusation when they're flying away is that she is, you know, she doesn't care about Nemec either. She doesn't want to give him a chance. She's afraid it'll jeopardize the mission. And. um, And that's contrasted with. uh, Skeen and Cashin, like Skeen really seems to care about. um, uh, Nemec's fate he's the one who argues we got to take him to the doctor and uh i think it was nemec who who was saying where's tamarin where's tamarin um so like it's interesting that like the leadership seems to seems to require a certain coldness and another and again contrasted with uh one of the scenes that made the commandant stand out for me as a character when he's marched into the vault he briefs the guards. He says, this is, this is not a inspection. This is a robbery. These people have killed. I expect they will again. That's why I urge you to cooperate. And, and it showed that his leadership involved a certain amount of caring for those under him. And that was a, a, a weird kind of reversal. Um, you've got an Imperial leader who cares, even though he's a horrible person in lots of other respects. And you've got Vel, who maybe doesn't care, um, or who at least is stealing herself as to the losses that she knows she's going to take. And and that, yeah, I know that that was an interesting contrast to my mind. I did wonder why she, uh, Vel was so hesitant to 
take the final steps that Cinta keep ha- kept having to say, do it, do it, do it, do it. Yeah. I don't know. If, that, did that make it make sense to you guys? Yeah, that, that is like, because when you're, when you're going into an operation like that, you're pretty sure half, maybe, of your guys are going to not make it. Um, you know, because no plan works, right? <laughs> it always goes sideways somewhere, somehow. And I think that's like her just sitting there, you know, on top of that, um, uh, shoot, damn, looking down on the other side. It's like it's coming home to her that like they're about to do this thing and her and or four or three or four other of her people that she's trained with or lived with in the wild for months or years or however long are not going to come back from this. And it's her call. Um, and then you see her on the other side of that decision. Like I made it. Now we're going. Um, so yeah, yeah. I I think that's, that's what that scene relates to me. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's obviously, again, she's seen like, she knows the price that, uh, some people have to pay, um, when you're a part of this rebellion and she doesn't have time, you know, to, to worry about, um, unfortunately if someone just dies on a mission and, and things go off the rails pretty quickly. I mean, I mean, she just in this episode had to deal with, you know, Lieutenant Gorn, you know, being a traitor and, and, you know, that, that, that whole thing where, where him and, and, and Terramin are, 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 are killed and, uh, you know, the, how they narrowly escape and with Cassian, um, it's, it's, that was a great scene. I mean, it, it you, you can see the, the the type the type of missions that that they go on there's no time for for sympathy unfortunately and and you kind of just have to have the bigger picture in mind and just try to get out of there with you know whether it's the the goal you had set in motion or just trying to get out of there uh with as many with your own life you know if it's a failed mission so i think you know yeah the the show does this episode does a good job of of, of showing the reality of, of just the situation that they're in. Yeah. I, I don't know if we want to do like a deep dive into just war theory or anything, but, but that distinction between, um, uh, use ad bellum and use in bello, the, the, the justice in going to war versus the justice in how you conduct yourself during the war. Um, that's, that's, kind of floating to the surface here right um absolutely because like like you said you've got you've got um a very righteous cause that that uh nemic lays out pretty clearly at the beginning of the episode um and you know versus a very despicable uh insidious cause that the empire stands for that tyranny and yet the tactics that they both use are are questionable at best um that you know there's there's honor on both sides and there's there's dishonor on both sides and you know the 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 good causes really have trouble um staying true to themselves when it comes down to the actual combat one of the questions i took from the episode was uh is yeah it's the use and bellow part of it is, is there actually a moral difference between would the rebels be doing what the imperials are doing if their situations were reversed if they had the power 
to treat the Imperials the way the Imperials treat them, what would happen? And I think sometimes, you know, like in the brutal treatment of the Commandant's family says you can't be sure that they wouldn't. Although there was that that conversation that um, Vel had with the Commandant. He said, you know, you're just going to kill us all anyway. And she said, no, that's what you would do. If we get what we want, we all walk out of here alive. Um, and they got they got most of what they want, and most people didn't walk out of their alive. <laughs> they, I, and I find it interesting. They end up killing the commandant because they work him to death. Yeah, yeah. that was interesting. That, yeah, like it's not no, they didn't shoot him. Like it wasn't uh, oh execution style, but you worked him to death. That. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that strikes you know, me as odd. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, but that wasn't they weren't intending to work happen. But, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think the 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 show another thing it does really well that you, you don't usually see in Star Wars. Like usually in Star Wars is like you have the Empire and you have the Rebels. Very clear distinction on who the bad guys are, who the good guys are. Mm-hmm. You know, uh this show ha- it just shows a lot a lot of morally gray people on both sides. Um, and you have this degree of sympathy, you know, for the, for the bad guy, you know, for those, you know, those on the, that work for the empire. And, you know, we, we see this with, um, you know, we see his, his, his son is sick and, and, you know, his, you know, his wife just wants to get away and, and, you know, the, the commander, you know, he's, he's just doing what he's told and he's trying to you know, he's moving up the, you know, quote unquote corporate ladder, the, the, the empire's ladder just to, you know, try to have a, a better life for his family. And, and yeah, you see the, the reality of it is this: he's just worked to death. <laughs> you know, he's literally worked to death mm-hmm. because, because of it. And, and you feel bad for him. You know, it, it's not like he, he's this very, uh, black. It's very black and white. Like he's just a bad guy. Like you, I, I, I felt bad for him. And 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 I think, uh, you know, the again, the the show does a really good job of any character that that they introduce us to. It doesn't matter what side they're on. We're we're getting to know them on such a personal level and seeing what their motivations and intentions are that we can empathize with them. Visual contrast too versus you know the big guys at the top. And every time we're actually in Coruscant. Everything imperial is spick and span and polished to a T, and the base is a grungy mess. I mean, you can see it's painted black, but the black is chipped off here and there. Um, again, the the underside, I guess, of the empire, that everything at the top levels may be nice and spick and span, but they can't afford to keep a nice base going or can't be bothered. It's yeah, it's it's definitely sort of an an outskirts. It's a frontier base uh, in in a lot of ways. Um... Well, that, that's another thing that this show just generally is doing well. And and this episode is is a great example of that because we do get scenes in Coruscant at the end and we've got the, the scenes in the base and we get the, the culture of the Donny people themselves. But um, especially in the first three episodes, we got, you know, this is what life looks like on the ground in an Imperial run, um, you know, at, uh, you know, midrim system. And, uh, it's like, you know, this is the first show that I think is really brought home to me. What is so harmful 
about the empire. You know, it's always been sort of the, the mythical dark Lord and evil, you know, big evil, um, in, in previous movies and such, but this is bringing it home at a very practical level. It's not just evil. It's bad. Um, it's bad for the people who have to live under this kind of, um, oppression that is not just political, but it also seems to be economic oppression and, and just social oppression. And, and it's just not a good way to live. Um, and so seeing, yeah, again, just seeing the world really developed so fully and richly, richly is, um, expanding the possibilities of, of the star Wars universe for storytelling. Great. Um, I, you know, one, one other thing I wanted to, uh, to, to bring up is, um, I think at, you know, obviously at the end of the episode, if we could just go there for, for a minute, um, we have this encounter between Skeen and Cassian where Cassian is presented mm-hmm. with this. <laughs> it's like, Hey man, 80 million credits. You know, we could just split it and just get out of here. You know, let's just forget everything. Um, and you know, Cassian does what Cassian has done in these situations. <laughs> just pulls out a gun and kills the, the guy. guy. <laughs> Are there any problems that can't be solved with a blaster? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you maybe you got to respect it. I mean, he had, he. Ancient religions and hokey weapons, or ancient weapons and hokey religions. Yeah. <laughs> no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. Yeah. There you go. yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's funny, but you know, it's, it's interesting at the same time. It's like, you know, that sort of a situation, a similar situation to that is what has gotten him <laughs> into this sort of situation he's in anyway, um, at the, at the beginning of the season. But we, we see this response that Cassian has. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, I, the temptation is there. I mean, you know, Cassian, obviously what his sort of, guys i think throughout this this sort of three episode arc is that he's just a mercenary you know i'm getting i'm paid to be here like i know you guys are you know a a lot of you guys are in it for uh the cause and all that but like i'm just a hired gun you know like um you know we talked about it a little bit uh with episode five where we're, we're we're we see a cassian that's not fully developed in his beliefs. Um, you know, we're not, I don't we're not close to the guy that he is in rogue one where he is so firm and, and, and what he believes in. And he literally is willing to die for, for it. He's, he's not there at all, but we see where he is now. He's, he, he's surrounded by these people. I mean, I think Nemec has had a profound, profound um, impact on him. Because he's he he got to spend time with someone who who's so uh, firm in, in his beliefs and uh, was able to articulate uh, why he is so passionate about being a part of this rebellion and and why the empire is 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 such a force that needs to be stopped you know at any cost um, 
But we see here, you know, like maybe there was a temptation for Cassian to 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 take the money and run. Um, but you know, in a panic, he just decides like, hey, I like even if this guy is not uh trying to pull a fast one on me, I can't take that chance. You know, either way, you know, I can't trust this guy anymore going forward. Like even if mm-hmm. I take the money, what if he just shoots me as soon as I turn around or even if we, even if I say no to it, maybe he'll shoot me, you know, or, or, you know, I can't trust the guy anymore. So the easiest answer is just boom, <laughs> taken care of. Uh, that's what I thought. I mean, what did you guys think about it? And once he admits having lied to Cassian in the first place and everybody else about who he is and about the story, you know, Cassian has trust issues to begin with and that kind of wipes him out. I mean, yeah, there's no relationship left there. Yeah, Cassian is is really scrupulously honest about being dishonest. <laughs> wow, that's accurate. He's like, you know, I'm 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 a mercenary. You really have no reason to trust me except that I'm your best option here and and here we are. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not going to sell you on some some sentimental story so that you, you know, can develop your feelings of trust for me. You just need to trust me or not period. And, uh, and, and there's, you know, kind of a refreshingness about that. And, you know, he, he just will not take, you know, a betrayal of that kind of, you know, if you're going to be dishonest, be honest about it. Principle. He's, he, he won't, he won't stand for it. It goes back even to, uh, when he says, no, we're going to take uh, what's his name, uh, to the doctor. When Vel's saying, no, we need to build on the whole mission. I mean, by this point, Cassian is actually committed to something beyond, beyond himself and helping someone who's had an impact on his life. And so it's going to be much harder for him to say, yeah, for 40 million, maybe I'll turn my back on these people. He's, he's made a commitment to them, whether he knows it or not. Yeah, I, I really love this conversation uh, between the two of them. And I love how, you know, Andor makes these throwaway statements constantly. And they always spin into something bigger. You know, he makes the throw. Yeah, maybe he'll get lucky. And Skeen is like, luck. That's the that's the thing that runs the whole galaxy, right? And you get like a very clear picture right then and there of what Skeen's whole viewpoint. And he does lay it out further as he goes on. You know, I didn't have a brother. You know, I was born in a hole just like you. And I know the only way out is to crawl on someone else's back. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Andor, I think... I think he can both see some of himself in what Skeen is saying and then um, despising that. Uh, and then, like, I think I think part of it is he shoots him because he can't trust him, but I think part of it is he shoots him because he can't trust himself. It's like, if I kill this guy, then there's no more, um, I'm going to run with him, run away with him to a base, you know, eight parsecs away on a moon and steal this stuff. I'm going to kill this guy. I'm going to buy this guy's speeder and I'm going to get the heck out because <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be in this situation anymore. Um, I did the job. I'm done. That's right. I'm And I'm out. Yeah. Um, I, I just, the whole, like in the buildup to, to uh, Cassie and pulling the gun and shooting him. Uh, and, and that moment, I think the time, the timing of that moment, it's almost like mid sentence with skiing. And, it, and it's just like, okay, you got to the point. I'm pulling my gun and I'm shooting you. Like there was, there was this, 
You're getting there, you're getting there, you're getting there. Trigger, boom. <laughs> Cassian shot first. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if this is, like, too meta, but... I, I am really seeing the character of Cassian Andor as like this extended meditation on the character of Han Solo. Yes. You know, yes. Uh, uh, you know, Cassian is the guy who shoots first. Um, you know, it, it, this conversation about luck, luck is what makes the ga- galaxy run. And it's like, well, in my experience, there's no such thing as luck. Um, and, and, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, there are so many sort of Han Solo callbacks in both in Rogue One and and in this series, if money is what it, you crave, it, then money is what you will receive. receive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, and he and he walks into, you know, Vel, the princess, right? And he's like, "I'm getting sure. paid to do my job, and I'm out. I'm not in this for your rebellion." <laughs> you yeah, yep. it's, it's it's exactly it's the same basic scene, just in much different circumstances. <laughs> Well, and developed it just so much more depth, right? And and okay, somebody referenced the movie Solo earlier. That was and, my fault. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a beautiful movie. No, <laughs> I I wonder if if um, yeah, I wonder if Solo wouldn't have been a better movie if it had not been about you know if it hadn't been so much about Han Solo fan service and had been more of like this sort of meditation on what is it like to be a mercenary and a smuggler in in the context of of the empire and the rebellion um maybe the franchise had to crash and burn was solo before disney had enough guts to try it so maybe maybe well i think well the rogue one came out before solo didn't it? yeah it did it was yeah yeah before i think i mean you know ultimately i think uh andor is the end point of a, a journey that was begun by Disney when they bought, you know, when they bought the property and um, George Lucas walked away with his $4 billion duffel bag, you know, and said, yeah, his passing <laughs> comment, Oh yeah, it's for kids. Just remember that. And then they were like, well, we're chucking that in the bin, but slowly <laughs> we're going to slowly expand this. Um, you know, what I've seen with the clone war show and the rebel show and um, eventually rogue one movie, and solo and then the mandalorian and each of them has gotten just a little where you have dark and light very obvious in all the star wars movies and they've all slowly gotten grayer and grayer and grayer and now we find ourselves in andor and we're in the thick of the gray and it's very much not a kid mm-hmm. show because of that because we're dealing with complex mm-hmm. relationships and complex um war situations um i absolutely hated rogue one the first time i saw it because i wanted a star wars movie i wanted a black and white bad guys good guys star wars movie and i had somebody like i I was in an argument with a friend of mine about it and he was like pat it's a war movie set in the star wars universe i was like all right fine i'll watch it again and like halfway through the movie, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing! <laughs> like, this is a, this is a war movie set in the Star Wars universe." <laughs> it was a story of redemption, and which is what I said at the time. And we see all the more now uh, when they're threatening in Rogue One, saying, "Fine, we give up. The rebellion is over." And all the people said, "No, we've already done so much in the name of the rebellion. We cannot quit. We have to make all those things we did good." Uh, not good. Mm-hmm. Not, we have to make good on everything that that we 
already had to do. We can't drop it now. And we're seeing mm -hmm. what that was. Yeah, I think with this with this show, you guys are making a good point. I think what it, what it's what it's revealing is the the true nature of the rebellion itself. You know, I I, I think what it also shows that rebels are just good at being rebels. They're not necessarily good at being, you know, peacekeepers or you know. A, a, establishing governments you know like if you think about the original trilogy like yay the rebels won okay couple, then a few decades later the first order <laughs> is here now you mm -hmm. know and they're not good at this this sort of thing and and uh you know we see also in, in these other i mean we saw in the we saw a lot of this in this in the sequel trilogy for better or worse and we see it in in mandalorian uh, a little bit as well, uh, you know, here and there, the, the whole idea the, uh, of being a, of Jedi's and, and, and what they do and, and the, the part that they've played, you know, they're not necessarily saints and, and, and they, they're, it's not perfect, the, you know, the way that they go about things. And it's not perfect that the way the rebellion goes about, you know, doing what they do, you know, we, what we know is that the, you know, in this episode, we have like the 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 Aldani people. We see the empire in its in its true nature. Um, uh, that they're a big part of why they can spread their power is that they colonize. So they they've they've colonized the, this these people. They've ripped them from their. You know, they're doing what there's like about fifty, sixty left, and you know they're. Uh, they're they're so like happy about it that they've established like this footprint, you know, on this cultural land, and and they're about to wipe out, you know, these these people, wipe them from existence. I mean, that's just that's the nature of the empire, and and uh, I think Cat, you know, Cassian, you know, I think is this is his first realization, you know, or an early re realization for him is that you know the rebellion's job is is like yeah, we're trying to take down the empire and and these things, these these horrible uh, injustices, and this colonizing needs to stop. But the rebels are not necessarily the ones that are gonna like. What are they gonna do? Are they gonna come in and, and establish it? Are they gonna be like the point you made earlier? What if the tables were turned? What if the rebels had the power? You know, it's like they're not. What are you gonna teach these people? They're very set in their ways, you know, um, you know, uh, the, all they want is peace. All they want is to be able to live. And, and that's the, the ultimate fight. So, I, you know, it's. That's why Star Wars, you can always go back and forth in cycles. It's like rebel rebels win, you know, new empire rises. Okay, empire falls, rebels win, new empire rises. You know, it's it's very cyclical, and and you know, I guess you could you could say that happens in in just human history as well. I mean, the old saying, history tends to repeat itself. Um, you know, I I think the show establishes a good uh sort of explanation of that. It's like, hey, we're going, we're we're there's levels to this. Like the Star Wars that you saw, like as, as far as the cinematic theatrical releases, 
or it's very black and white. You know, there's a lot behind that that we can get into that, you know, is not necessarily like that for, for the, again, the little guy. So I don't know. What are, what are you guys' thoughts on, on that? This overall sort of theme of, of like how, you know, how, how the, the, the rebellion, you know, how they tend to work and, and is, you know, how, if they do succeed, like what's the, the path forward? Well, it definitely raises the question of, of, you know, is, is a galactic, whether it's a Republic or an empire is a galactic level government sustainable at all. And, and, you know, you can, you can kind of translate that down to globalism and, and global terms in, in the real world as well. But, but, you know, the galactic empire is such a sci-fi trope and it, it you know, is Star Wars maybe questioning that trope? <laughs> yeah, I really liked um, the exchange between uh, Gorn and the leader of the Aldani, or the um, what are, what's the yeah the Donny people yeah the Donny people. You know, it's about the eye finding the good in all of us, um, and then that juxtapositioned against what he says to the commandant which is like our ghosts have strong hands and long memories or something to that nature, which is very much a threat. Like, I know you're wiping us out, but we're going to get back at you kind of a thing. I, I think it was the other like when, when the chief first uh, greeted uh, Gorn, he greeted, you know, may the eye find what is good in you. But then the chief was saying to the commandant, you know, our ghosts are strong and, and long lived or something. And, and, the lieutenant switched it up to right, and yeah, and you can tell the Donnie, keep the insult he, from reaching the like, commandant. Yeah, yeah, he knew like instantly. He like looked at him like, "Hey, that's not mm-hmm. what I said." Um, and mm-hmm. and the Donnie chief taking the the um the fur he gets and just like chucking it on the fire. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It I think it speaks a lot to kind of the 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 tragic nature of of what's because. It, what you get from that point on is sort of this interplay between, I think the director did an amazing job. You get shots of what's going on in the operation, and then you get shots of the Donnie people kind of building up to their their thing. And it's a great action building slash you don't have to see the boring part of the operation while they're doing stuff. <laughs> and we cut back and everybody's already <laughs> tied up and everything, you know, and it's a back and forth, back and forth as we build towards this amazing, spectacular event. And at the same time, we know that these 60 Donnie who are in this valley at their temple, they're it. Right. They're the last people who are going to get to see this in their sacred valley at their temple this time next year. This is all going to be torn down and part of a project and they'll not be allowed there anymore. Um, and you, you get this feeling this is kind of like like it's a blow to the Empire, right? Like this stealing of all this money and the, and they're making their escape. And there's a lot of like, you know, good feelings behind that. And they do this thing. But at the end of the day, you know, the timetable's still on. Right. Like you see, and I think that plays out very well with like the tears rolling down the face of the, the Aldani, uh, who were watching the eye and they're, even though this, the rebellion struck a huge blow, the empire still got its timetable. They're still going to destroy this Valley, build their air base. Like it's all, it's all it like, so there's, and I think that goes back to the original conversation between Andor uh, and Nemec about, you know, 
is it hopeless? Like, do you really think this is all hopeless? Should we just take what we get? And Andor's like, no, I don't think that. But at the same time, like, it, it, how hard can you punch these guys and really make a difference? Um, and I think that's, I think that is a, a, a build into Andor's character that they're trying to thrust at us because I've noticed in the previews or in the pro, or the preview to each episode, they show Luthen saying the same line over and over and over again, which is, wouldn't you spend mm-hmm. your life for something bigger? Right. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to push this notion into Andor that like these little jobs are not going to do it. Like we're not going to get there. Like it's the empire is just too big. That's I think also why he gets Nemec's manifesto at the end is he has to be convinced that to look for something bigger, to, that there's something more to live for and something more to risk for than just, whatever credits you can make and living to fight another day. Yeah. Um, great points. I mean, I, I think, you know, at the end of, at the, at the very end of the episode, we, you know, where we see, um, we see Deidre again and we, we see them, you know, sort of prepare to, to, to counter this, uh, this rebel, uh, I guess victory, uh, and and then you see we we, we kind of contrast that with Luthen celebrating, um, in the in the back room of of his uh, of his shop, um, and you see Mon Mothma, um, you know before the Senate, and you know the Senate is disinterested. Um, <clears throat> I think that the I think this the, these this indicates like the sort of direction Andor is gonna gonna head to in the second half, and and. Uh, obviously, along with you know Cassian getting to kind of negotiate his way out, you know, of the crew and then with uh, Nemec's manifesto, um, is that like, hey, you're gonna have you know, the, there are these sort of uh, tiny victories, and and they're you're gonna have like for Cassian. You think like okay, you've you've done something, and and you just need to get out and figure out your next move. Um, but you know that that theme that Luthen, you know, brings up, uh, like you said, like it, it's it's sort of a common uh, phrase that's put into these these previews uh, throughout the the series. Is that it's like hey, there's something bigger. There's a bigger mission out here, and don't you want to be a part of it? And and uh, I think it's it's building up to that. And um, however many more of these little one-off uh, missions uh, Cassian needs to be a part of before he realizes that and becomes a Cassian that that we know is a part of the the big plan uh, in Rogue One. Uh, well, I guess you know that's that's yet to be seen. But I think uh, you, you know you got you, you guys made a good point. Is like I, that that's ultimately where this is all headed. Um, and uh, is this a matter of when Cassian is going to be be fully on board? Yeah, yeah, I I loved the ending uh, with Luthen because it's it's a direct opposite of the ending from the last episode, right? So you get the Luthen scared, afraid, being comforted by his assistant, and you know it ends with him just like this sigh, this like nervous sigh, and 
relief right. yeah. in, the, in this in this one he's like in the back and he's like laughing and he's got his arms off and then and then he just breathes out like it's a sigh of like it's so it's the two different sighs it's the size of like terrified nervousness and the sigh of triumph and exaltation um and it's it's also i think i love those two scenes just for luthan because it i think those two scenes more than any other scene give you a dive into who luthan really is um because he's and in every other scene, he's acting. He's interacting with uh, Mon Mothma or with Andor or with Vel, and he's trying to sell something or sell a point or get something or get something done for the rebellion. And and at this point, he doesn't have like he's not he he's out like he doesn't have any part of it anymore. And so this is just this is Luthen and his like real reactions. And it's like, oh, he's a real person, <laughs> you know. He's not just this, you know, uh, smoking man in the background. You know, he's trying to pull things every you know spider web trying to pull things everything together he's a real you know flesh and blood kind of a guy who has emotions um i really liked i liked that scene i also think it's interesting because depending i, I don't know whether or not mon mothma knew um about the mission or what was going to happen and it obviously like what they show us is it's a direct derailment of what she's talking about in the senate at that time and it's possible a direct derailment of the legislation she's just proposed. Cause she's talking about and what I get the feel is it's some sort of like thing. The empire has imposed on the Gorman peoples and um, you know, for security reasons. And she's saying, no, no, they don't, you don't need these draconian security measures. And then, Oh, we just had this giant, you know, our payroll was stolen from us in this huge operation. Obviously we do need security. So I, I actually see some potential building friction between her and Luthen coming up. Um, could be terribly wrong on that one, but I, I think it's a good setup for that. No, I think you're right. I, I think I, I definitely get, I mean, from, from rogue one as well. And, and actually from, uh, you know, the, the animated show rebels, um, which is also about like how the rebellion developed into what it, what we saw it as, in a new hope um you've got all of these different groups with their different agendas and they are coming into conflict with each other and mon mothma is definitely one who is trying to pull them all together into a single coherent movement um and luthan maybe is doing that as well but I, I don't know what Luthen's ultimate motives are. And, um, I mean, you know, this is star Wars. I, I am not above having Palpatine like suspicions of him. Is he playing both sides? <laughs> yep. Um, so, you know, it's, yeah, there's a lot of tension, but, but as you said, Andrew, this is, we're halfway through the series. This is, this is the point where we should, you know, probably, you know, where we're probably going to start seeing and or really figuring out where he's going to take his stand. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Totally. Um, yeah. It, again, just to, to, to bring that point home, I, I, I think, you know, it, it, the show is also, it, it really focuses, is focusing on, um, you know, like even even though there are, you know, we talked a lot about there's good guys on 
quote unquote good guys on both sides or or at least at least characters that are not so black and white but you're also seeing like what kind of person aligns himself with with the empire you know it's you know even though they might have you know they're like normal people with normal problems um they're still fueled by you know the the desire to facilitate like their own their own plans and and ultimately it's 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 fueled by by their greed and and it's their self-satisfaction and uh that's contrasted with the type of person that would join the rebellion you you know that's usually someone like i guess on on a on a best in a best case it's someone like nemec who's like this sort of young revolutionary type character who's who's trying to lead the charge um and you know even though he doesn't offer much uh you know as far as like being a soldier you know writing this manifesto i'm sure the, this manifesto is going to going to serve the the story and it's going to come back up in the series once again i mean obviously we see uh Cassie Lee with it I mean, we know, I mean, a lot of historical events, we, we rely on, on, on them because someone wrote about them. You know, we, we, we can't just trust, uh, you know, one perspective. Uh, we have to, we, we have to be able to, uh, see different sources and obviously wanting it to come from the perspective of someone who was on the right side of history, um, and how they led the charge. Um, you know, that's the type of person that, uh, you know, sparks a rebellion that, that ends up being, uh, you know, victorious in its efforts. And that that's, that's the difference. And I think that's, you know, Cassian could easily have, been, could have easily been a mercenary for the empire, um, and done stuff for the money until ultimately he, he would break bad. But, you know, he, obviously we know he, he becomes a hero uh with the rebellion in the end so i think the the show is uh while it does a good job of showing the morally gray on both sides um there is that still still that distinct contrast um between the two um you know i think it's that's about our time but you know before we wrap up were there any final thoughts uh on the episode that you wanted to to bring up uh before we wrap up here just checking my notes <laughs> that's always good it's good practice <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't want to miss a thing think through the we episode had, again <laughs> we had uh, actually uh, maybe the first time we had a de- real deliberately humorous moment when the commandant's saying my this must have shrunk in transit <laughs> oh yeah yeah his, yeah, funny. his maybe wife gets expanded. Like, she, gets, she gets two digs on him. It's the yeah. it's the well, maybe it, you expanded, and then later on when he's like, I expect everyone to be on their best behavior, and she's like, Well, that would be nice to see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a glimpse into their family mm-hmm. dynamic. There, it's it's like, oh boy, this is this is not the healthiest family. No, <laughs> I you know it's funny. I think we covered everything but the action. <laughs> oh my gosh. The eye, man. The eye. Blasters, dude. Pew, pew, pew. Man. Yeah. <laughs> we had well, some I mean, Star you, Wars. Like, yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, it was yeah. epic. Yeah. I mean, what 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 can you say about 
wow i mean just just amazingly executed action it was is fantastic that's gonna be hard to top i mean from a just a visual standpoint i mean that is this is probably i mean it's definitely one of the best if not the best you know visually stunning episode of of star wars uh television that we've gotten i mean we're Gosh, this the 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 streaming medium has gone so far. I mean, we're just watching a movie every week now, basically. Mm-hmm. But um, like I mean, I'm trying to think back of all the the great scenes we got we've gotten in Mandalorian, and uh, this this one really stood out. It was really cinematic in its scope, uh, and uh, its action and you know choreography and all that. And it was yeah, it was amazing. It was amazing. It'd be uh, I mean, again, every week I'm surprised by the show, and then I don't know how they're going to top the eye, but uh, I, I'd love to see where where it goes from here. Yeah, I, I you know, that's that's really my big question. I'm like, because Andor's kind of noping out. Um, how is he going to get pulled back in? You know, because it, it's like Vel and um, I can't remember her name, but she's those are the only two survivors, and one of them's back on Cinta. Yeah, Cinta. She's back on Aldani. Um, so I don't figure they're going to go after, uh, Cassian. So is Luthien going to try and bring him back in? How, how does he get back in? I think Luthien, cause Luthien recruited him in the first place, not just for that one exposition expedition. He's got more, more in mind for him. Oh, for that's sure. That's my guess as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, and I think that's part of, I think that's part of the, the, you know, his joy and laughter at the end too, is that it's like, oh, this worked out because, you know, last week he was like, Oh man, I think I made a mistake bringing Cassian into this, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but now he's sort of like justified in in his decision making, and uh, yeah, like you said, Father, he has he has other plans for him, so I'm sure uh, he'll be a big part of uh, reining him back in. Yeah, Luthen when he was recruiting him, he 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 talked several times about how you know you know he didn't come for the for the imperial device that Andor had stolen he came for Andor so he sees something in Andor that he's after and I'm still kind of wondering what is it that he's looking for in Andor um what is it that he saw that he's going for and of course the other question I have going forward is is the one that was raised right at the beginning of the whole series is he really looking for his sister sister? what's going on yes thank you yeah yeah um Yeah, I'm. I really want to see that play out, and I have no idea if they're going to give it to us or not. If they don't, I mean, that's such a huge dangling loose end. Either they're setting themselves up for another series, or they just moved horribly. Yeah, I mean, I would. <laughs> I doubt it's the latter, uh, but yeah, I, I, they're going to revisit it at some point. And yeah, I mean, I, I think I can see it going both ways. Whether it's something that we start seeing, you know, immediately next week. Uh, or if it's something that w- maybe they'll tease at the end and set it up for season two, who knows? But uh, it was a big yeah, reveal there's still the question 12. about the sister. Yeah. What was that, Father? Give us a big reveal in episode 12. Bring us oh, back yes. for next season. Always got to end on a cliffhanger. This, these Star Wars shows are usually good at that. His sister becomes a Sith Lord or oh, something. I like it. I like it. Oh, dude. I'm on board. I'm on board. It's one of the hands Palpatine or something. Yeah, yeah. His sister is Jar Jar. No, we're not going there. Ooh. Oh, hey. That's rough, man.
His sister is Mara Jade. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay. And, and we haven't okay. seen her brought back in yet, have we? I don't know how you can do... Well, I guess she couldn't be married to Luke because that wouldn't work, but she could still be in as herself, yeah. Well... We'll have to wait to find out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is in, very intriguing. Um, well, with that, uh, we just want to thank you all for listening and just want to remind you guys that you can uh, visit sqpn.com slash give uh, if you want to be uh, one of our very generous patrons uh, to help support the channel. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you wherever you find your podcasts, we're probably there. So uh just look look out for us uh by searching SQPN or Secrets of Star Wars uh or check us out on our SQPN YouTube channel. And if you want to find previous episodes of Secrets of Star Wars uh or send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash Star Wars. You can email us at Star Wars at SQPN.com or follow StarQuest on social media at Facebook.com slash StarQuest Media or on Twitter at SQPN. You can also join our Discord community at SQPN.com slash Discord. This StarQuest show is brought to you by Tim Shevlin's personal fitness training for Catholics, providing spiritual and physical wellness through personalized nutrition, workout and prayer programs, and daily accountability check-ins. Learn more by visiting FitCatholics.com. We'll be back next week with Episode 7 of Andor. Until then, Robert King, thank you for joining me on The Secrets of Star Wars. Great conversation, thanks. You have a very wonderful conversation. Father Horn, thank you as well. Thank you, I really enjoy it. Patrick Mason, it was a pleasure. Thank you, thanks for putting up with me, I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was quite difficult. Uh, <laughs> no, this was awesome. Uh, hey, once again, I'm Andrew, and thank you for listening to The Secrets of Star Wars on StarQuest. Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. The Secrets of Technology. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash technology.